Crawford. Veteran Jack Cage officiating inside the SEC football official line judge. Johnny, I think we brought this up before, and there's some clips we sent you to we'll ask you about, but a lot of complaining about just the deteriorating officiating situation this year in college football, and I think I probably hear that every year. I don't think this year is anything abnormal, but since you at least on the field are disconnected, do you see the same thing? I mean, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I see what everybody's talking about. I watched, uh, obviously, all of the Iron Bowl. Uh, I was actually on the phone a lot during that game with one of my other officiating friends. Uh, I don't think that crew had a very good game at all. I mean, I can name three or four things right now. Uh, and, you know, you sent me a couple of clips. Uh, uh, they, I, I, You know, they're just like, we're, we're just like teams sometimes. Uh, you know, sometimes you have your good games and sometimes you're off a little bit. I thought they were definitely off, and I didn't agree with a lot of the calls they had during that game. The clip I sent you in the Florida State-Florida game, the hit on the quarterback, which was not called targeting, but what did they call that? Unnecessary roughness, perhaps? Yeah, you can have different categories. You can have if the defensive player is taking more than two steps after he passes the ball, which the quarterback did not throw the ball in that case. You know, uh, hitting hitting the quarterback in the head. Uh, I definitely saw the clip. Uh, I did not see that play live, so I don't know exactly what they called or if they even called it on that. It could have been a foul somewhere else. I, I don't know. But just judging by that clip, I did not see anything that warranted uh, a foul on that defender for roughing the quarterback. You know, he didn't throw the ball, so he's still a runner. He didn't get hit in the head or anything. Yeah, if they call roughing the uh, passer on that play, I didn't see what they the, what they what they called exactly. After that, Mike Norvell was really mad and. I guess walking off at halftime, he was getting on to a couple of them pretty hard. What do you do in a situation like that to de-escalate? Well, the best thing you do as an official, if if you kind of think in your mind you might have missed something, you just need to stand there and take it. You know, you're not going to let him cuss you out or anything, but you just need to let him stand there and, and let him voice his opinion. If, if you think you might have missed something, just listen to him, hear him out, then say, okay, coach, Let's move on. You know, it's halftime. Let's move on. Let's both come out and have a good second half. The play that I sent you just about an hour ago in the Georgia-Missouri game a couple of weeks ago, Brady Cook running down the sideline, and I don't know if that was a fake slide or not. That's a relatively new rule. Last couple of years, right, about faking a slide. It's an injury concern because you can get your head taken off by doing that. But but what – did you see on that Brady Cook run? I interpreted that really as not as a fake slide, but he was so close to the sideline. I interpreted that as he was acting like he was going to go out of bounds and then continued running for another three or four yards. Yeah, I think I was watching that live when it happened. The fake slide didn't even really enter into my mind. Uh, you know, he was just acting like he was going to slow up and maybe go out of bounds, and then he kept running. That's the way I interpreted that play. These championship games that are about to happen on Saturday, Johnny, I know you were part of some of them, right? What, what's that like? Is there a different mindset, or is that just another game as a, as a ref? 
<laughs> no, it, it's it's definitely a different game, especially the SEC championship. Obviously, for the last several years, uh, the winner of that SEC championship is going to definitely move on to the Final Four, one of the semifinals. And as we've seen here re- recently, they go on to win the national championship. So, yeah, the atmosphere is different. The crowd's different. It's a different atmosphere, but you got to treat it just like any other game as far as an official. You just have to go out there, stay calm, stay relaxed, focus, and just do what you're out there to do. Brent in Macon, Georgia, says, Johnny, the refs in the Georgia-Georgia Tech game seemed nitpicky. That crew reportedly throws a lot of flags per game. It felt like the refs dictated momentum in the game, which hurt the game, in his opinion. If a crew has a high call rate, meaning they call a bunch of flags, their their group is known for that, wants to know how do the league offices view those situations? I don't think, or I've never heard of any situation where the league office kind of views that or interprets that in any way or uses it any way against them. Uh, I know each school has their own charting on the different crews, uh, regardless of what conference it is, SEC, ACC, or whatever it might be. Uh, you know, I, I've seen that at the University of Georgia when I've gone up there for scrimmages. You know, they've shown us information. They know how many fouls each official calls each week, how many they've thrown, whether they throw a lot on hold and pass interference. I've never really understood what they think that, how they think that helps them. I, I don't know how that helps them because as an official, you're going out there, you're calling the game, you're calling a foul based on what you see at that time not what has uh, happened in uh, games prior to that. So I don't really know how that helps them. Uh, maybe they have their own way. But, but yeah, I, the league office doesn't get into involved in anything like that. I know a few weeks ago I brought this up, but I want to hit you up again. With the new rule regarding the clock does not stop after a timeout unless you're at the last two minutes of a half, I, I, I've adjusted to that, and I'm, I like it. I'm, I'm good with it. But it does seem to me, Johnny, that plays that I at least thought would be called out of bounds, meaning a player goes out of bounds, now that official runs right up there and, and winds that clock. I mean, it, it's like it never stops. To me, that's different. You're, you were telling me earlier you didn't think it was, but I, I swear – I think they used to call those plays out of bounds a lot more strict than they do now. They're trying to wind that clock. Yeah, I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because here again, I was talking to an official on the phone when that happened. Uh, it happened in the Iron Bowl this past weekend. Uh, a receiver made a comeback route. He came back, caught the ball. He himself took himself out of bounds, and that official kept the clock running. Now, I don't know what they've been told in their meetings in the, by the SEC a supervisor of officials, but normally <clears throat> when you take yourself out of bounds like that, that clock stops. Now, if your momentum is stopped inside, in bounds by a defender, you know, you'll keep the clock running. But, no, I agree with you, and I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't know why they're doing that, and I don't know if just some officials are taking it upon themselves to do it or if they've been told that that's a philosophy this year. But, yeah, uh, if you're trying to get out of bounds, especially under the two minutes of each half, if you're trying to get out of bounds, you need to award them out of bounds. Otherwise, you call it just like if it's momentum is stopped in bounds and you keep the clock running. Johnny Crawford, longtime SEC official. All right, Johnny, last play, or I guess it wasn't the last play, but it was the 
most consequential play. It's a historic play in the Alabama-Auburn game. It's fourth and 31. I've got a couple of questions for you. But first of all, the DB and the wide receiver, there was a subtle, it wasn't real aggressive, I don't think, push-off from the uh, – Bonds kid, who's a Georgia kid, Buford, Georgia kid, freed himself, caught that ball in the corner, touchdown, Alabama wins. Is that a good no-call? I think in that situation, that's really a good no-call. By the letter of the rule in the rule book, is that an offensive pass interference? It probably is. You look for separation. If the offensive player gets an extension of his arm and he gains separation, which that looks like what happened. But remember, I've always said, you know, there in the last moments of the game, you want to let them play. You know, that would just have to almost be a a mauling by one of the – if one of the guys tackled the other guys and just prevented him from catching the ball, then that would probably be called. But that situation there in that moment – yeah, you're, you're going to just let them play, let that happen, and let them determine the outcome of the game. Johnny, through the years, all your years, how many situations that you were involved in came down to a last play like that? Maybe maybe a couple, two or three. I, I know it was uh, Ole Miss and maybe Arkansas one time, uh, and I think it – I, I literally think it was Arkansas. They had a fourth and 20-something uh, at Ole Miss, and it, I think it's the year they might have gone to determine who went to the uh, championship game or right. even determine if Arkansas went. But they had a situation like that, and uh, th- they made it on fourth down. It wasn't necessarily kind of the last play of the game, but it was just almost in this situation where it was in the last uh, four or five plays. Uh, you know, we've, we've all, a lot of us have been in a situation where they throw the Hail Marys, and, you know, eight out of ten times they don't work. But uh, that's kind of what I can think of off the top of my head. I, I can't think of any situation I've happened to be in where they've won the game on the last play of the game, other than it being an overtime game, where that, that's definitely a different situation, though. Okay, your job description being the headline judge, last play, or again, it wasn't exactly the last play, but the monumental play at the end there of the Alabama-Auburn game. It's 4th and 31. You're judging the line. Auburn had two defensive ends who I don't think were told to do anything but just kind of monitor the uh, quarterback, Milrow. And there's no way. I mean, they were going against a ton of offensive linemen, right? So there was no threat there. And then there was a guy in the middle, kind of a middle linebacker, just standing there spying Milrow. Milrow had all day to throw that football. And I'm not saying anything happened. Now, the right tackle looked like he held that one defensive end a little bit. I don't know how consequential that was. Johnny, what's that like from your perspective, judging that situation where it's pretty obvious what's going on? It's the same mindset you have, Bill. Uh, it, it's got to be a, almost a takedown for us to have a holding call in that situation. And, and you see they're, they really kind of like what you said. They weren't really trying to put a lot of pressure. If one of those Auburn defenders had kind of broken free of the Alabama offensive lineman and was kind of making some headway toward the backfield and they grabbed him or something, that probably would have been a holding call then. But, yeah, you know, they had two blockers on each each defender, and they, they really wasn't even uh, – 
putting any type of pressure right. on the quarterback at all. And obviously we all know that's the first mistake. I think I've even asked a couple of coaches in the past, you know, if that defense is so good, why don't you start the game out in it? I, I agree. I guess the other thing you're wondering about, not only are you judging the O-line and the D-line, but if Milro takes off, you've got to make sure he's behind that line of scrimmage, right? That did not happen, but that's probably your other consideration. Def- definitely, because, you know, that same thing happened in that game. I think they had two of those calls in that in that one game. Right. Uh, but, yeah, you got to watch for that, especially on that last play. But here again, you, you, you're looking for the big stuff. You're looking for the fouls that happen at the point of attack, unless it's a safety foul, which you're going to call every safety foul. And, and then you just want the players to determine the outcome of the game, just like it happened on that last play. Well, not the last play, but that particular pass. Another clip, and I did not send this to you. I'm just, I'm, I haven't seen it here the last day or two, but I saw it in real time. It's Alabama-Auburn game. Alabama player either gets blocked down or fell down, and then the Auburn player lays on him and stands over, over him and won't let him get up. Whether you saw that or not, John, and you might have, what is the call there? What do you do? Well, if you knock him down, you can kind of lay on him for a second or two, but then you got to move and let him get up, or, you know, they could call holding on that if you're holding him down. But then if you stand over him and uh, and maybe are mocking him or do anything unsportsmanlike, you can definitely get an unsportsmanlike foul. And, you know, you get two of those a game. If you get the second one, then you're uh, disqualified, ejected from the game. So, yeah, I don't know what that situation was, but it sounds like to me it wouldn't be a holding foul for holding him down if he got up. But if you're standing over him and, and, and taunting him or something, uh, you can certainly throw an unsportsmanlike foul on that. Johnny, I will send that to you here during the break, and you can take a look at it. It's it's nothing big, but it's it's a moment that people were asking me about. I think I've got one more here for you. Topwater Assassin, who is a big Clemson fan, says, I know that refs try and call it down the middle, but there were ACC refs at the Clemson-South Carolina game. And, again, he's a Clemson fan. He said, it seems like Clemson got the benefit of the doubt on every call. Do you think the refs might lean a little bit to their conference? You know, I, I obviously don't think they do. I've been in those situations where uh, an SEC team has gone to an ACC venue and we've been the officials. You know, you're, you're just out there again. I know, I know this is being redundant, but you're just calling the game as you see it. You don't really care who wins that game. Uh, you, you know it's an SEC team versus an ACC team, but, yeah, you don't you don't have anything at stake. You don't have a dog in the fight, so to speak. So you're just calling it and trying to be as fair and as, uh, and as uh, unbiased as you can. Johnny, I know I've asked you in the past, is the SEC championship game an all-star group of refs or a crew? Well, this year, from my understanding, it's kind of a, uh, an all-star, so to speak. Uh, some of the guys might be on the same crew, but, yeah, it's not a full crew. It's just a... It's comprised of different people from different crews. Appreciate it, Johnny. See you next week. All right. Thank you, Bill. Johnny Crawford. Five-run Grand Slam every time. That's all I can say. Griff in about 40 minutes. Yeah, Griff will be with us next hour. I'm the Nashville Hotel.